Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for Twins Talk Theater. I know we've missed a couple of weeks. Sorry about that. Both Cindy and I have been very busy on other shows and we're we're getting back to it and have a whole list of people to talk to and things to talk about. And of course, Instagram, we've been posting still constantly. So welcome back. Hope you didn't miss us too much. You Today, everybody we're... else was on summer break. So yeah, hope you enjoyed your summer break. <laughs> Hope everyone had fun traveling and taking the relaxing time and vacationing while Sydney and I worked like crazy people, uh, along with all the other people we worked with. So today we'd like to talk about some of the differences between director of production, production manager, stage manager, production stage manager, and company manager. Uh, and these- technical director. And technical director. So that one doesn't quite fit in all of the uh, other, doesn't sound quite the same, but... I know we've talked about technical director some, uh, as we've talked about, or we've talked to different stage managers and what they do, but we haven't really talked about the differences between all of these positions uh, and the similarities between all of these positions. And some companies don't even have all of these positions. So we thought it would be good to go over kind of how have, they relate. Like our, our experience at different companies in these positions, I guess. Yeah, because half the time we also hold multiple of these titles in one company or one produ- production. So how how that works and how we come at things differently depending on which multiple titles we are holding. So yeah, it's just a twins podcast today. Just me and Cindy talking to each other, which we do all the time. But now we're recording. So that that's always different and fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start. Okay, did, did you, no, you go start? ahead? Great. Uh, let's start at what is... More or less the top position in all of these, the director of production. Go? <laughs> and that was when Stacey's like, and this and is when done. I stop talking. <laughs> this is when Cindy knows more about the director of production role because she's had that and I have not. <laughs> so what? what is the director of production versus, I guess, production manager besides title? So obviously for me, I, I have to speak more from an opera standpoint because I haven't really done much theater. And I don't know, Stacey, like, I don't know if you've experienced outside of opera, like many director production roles. I'm not sure if that's a, a commonly used term outside of the opera world. I believe in the opera world, it's a relatively new term. I would say in the last like 10 years or so, it's something that I've just seen pop up more and more. Um, for me, a director of production is a step above production manager. And again, this is from my personal experience and my personal standpoint. When I was a director of production and the product director of productions I've dealt with had those titles because not only did they oversee stage management, oversee production, TD, all of the designers, the, the run of the rehearsal, but as director of production, I was also in charge of uh, creating the budget, maintaining the budget, uh, not necessarily cash flow, but making sure all of the receipts were accounted for and that we stayed on budget, uh, negotiating with the, the unions, making sure that we upheld the, the union rules, whatever those were, as opposed to a 
production manager who, in, again, in my experience, doesn't necessarily deal with the budget aspect of it, especially creating and maintaining the budget. Of course, they always have to make sure that they kind of like stick within the budget that they're given, but don't necessarily create the budget year to year and um, are not necessarily held account accountable for that budget. Another title that is being used more often that I've seen in the past couple of years is, I think it's Director of Operations, which I believe is a title in Omaha. And I think I've seen it somewhere else, which to me is similar to Director of Production, but I think they also do more um, artistic stuff and, and not necessarily casting, but have a little bit more say so in the artistic standpoint. But I haven't held that title. So to me, it's, you know, all of them in a sense are a bit vague because it, it kind of depends on what company you're at and where you are. And when Stacey and I are talking before the before the podcast, we were talking about like the last four or five opera companies that I've been at, which have all been about the same level. Um, oh, I told Stacey I wouldn't use the word level. In the opera <laughs> world, you know, you, you designate for Opera America, you designate um, the operating budget kind of sets you at different levels. Opera America has designated five levels of opera company. Level one is the highest with, with the most amount of money. And I think there's only like 12 in the United States. Um, San Francisco, Santa Fe, Seattle, Chicago Lyric, The Met, and there's a few more, but those are off the top of my head. You know, our level one opera companies. And then you go all the way down to level five opera companies, which I believe are like a $500,000 operating budget and below. And that's kind of how you you designate. So these past this past year and a half, I've pretty much been working at level two opera companies, and I can't even tell you what that means as, as far as money. Um, but they've all been about the same. But at each one of those companies, there's been different hierarchy and even different positions. At Opera Philadelphia, where I currently am, there's a director of production who's now John Toya, a production ma manager who's Maggie. There's a production stage manager who's Lisa Anderson, who is uh, there full season. She stage manages the shows during the season and currently during the festival stage managing one of the shows. But then they've also brought in a stage, stage management staff for all the other shows. They also have a uh, Drew's title is my favorite because he just made it up, or I guess it was made up before him, but it's a uh, director of design and technology who I answers like to the director of production. And he oversees the technical director and pretty much all of the tech staff. So he's in charge of, you know, lighting and sound and projections and crew. Um, and then, of course, there's a TD. But if you go to, let's just jump to Boston, which was my second company last year. Boston has... Anna's position, I believe, is technical and production manager. And then it goes straight to stage manager. So they don't even have a production manager. They don't have a, an official director of production. They don't have a production stage manager. They just hire in stage managers. And yet these two companies work at a same level financially and are about the same size. Uh, you go to Opera Omaha, again, same size, same level. They're the ones that have a director of operations, which is Brad. And then they do have a production manager, which is Katie, and then they hire in stage managers. So they don't have a full-time production stage manager. Um, they just hire in stage managers. So it's kind of different everywhere you go. So you kind of have to like show up to a company and meet everybody and then just kind of figure out like what it is that they do and what works best for, for that company. So 
at Tri-Cities Opera, where I was and held the title director of production for two years, it was only me. There was no production manager. There was no production stage manager. I stage managed half the shows myself and I had a part-time TD. So, you know, it was, it was a very different, a very different thing. But the, what I think we kind of want to talk about on this one is what I would love to talk about on this podcast is really the role of production manager, because it is what I have, in essence, the most experience with and what Stacy kind of has the most experience with. And what I love about that is from traditionally production managers come from one of two backgrounds. You either start as a technical director and move up to a production manager, or you start as a stage manager and you move up to a production manager. And very rarely do you have a production manager coming in with a different background. And so I, yeah, I I'm think not even it's sure awesome what other that... background you would come in with. Yeah, Maybe I don't know. Maybe design, but even design is usually more limited, whereas stage management and TD is more general, I mean, which would go into the there... general production management. Yeah, but there are some that I know at least one, maybe two that came in from like lighting. Oh, as a lighting designer. Huh. Move into production management. Um, but I think traditionally it, it's a TD or a stage manager. So I started, I kind of was stage manager, production stage manager, assisted at Long Beach in a sense, uh, doing production stuff and then moved to TCO. Well, and then took some jobs at other companies, uh, primarily Naples, where there was, was no director of production or production manager. So I kind of stepped into that role and then officially took the job at Tri-Cities Opera as the production stage manager and then the, the director of production at all. And so I've, I think I've had more experience than Stacey in production management capacity. But when she was still at the Norris, Norris or Palace Verdes performing uh, arts, say yeah. PVPA, <laughs> uh, when she was still at the Norris, she did get the title production manager. Um, the last year that you were there, the last two years you were there. Yeah, about last um, year and a half. Or about, you no, know, and obviously, no, yeah, a year and a was, half, sure. But obviously doing the work beforehand in order to get, get that position. And now I think the last show that you just, or that you're currently working on, uh, Tenor by Night, your title is actually production manager and technical director, right? Yes. Started as production manager. And then when I learned they had no TD and they're like, well, we don't need one. I went, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Pretty sure that's that's something that has to happen. <laughs> but I can do that too. <laughs> so what, what Stacey and I were talking about before we actually started the recording this podcast, because we've been talking for like three hours already, and we just obviously started the podcast, um, is kind of what the difference is. We each come, the, I don't even want to say advantages and disadvantages, but the way we come at production management is completely different. And what we focus on is is different, you know, before the show, during the show, during rehearsals. Um, the, and then what you kind of what our focus is and what our viewpoint is as a production manager, which I think is interesting because I was actually having this conversation, had it with a few people, but yesterday the staging staff of, of Nikita Pa at Opera Philadelphia showed up. And at lunch, we were talking about uh, production managers and which way they, you know, who they've worked with and if they prefer stage managers 
that move into production management or TDs. And obviously, every all stage managers prefer to have a production manager who used to be a stage manager because they understand what stage managers do. And I kind of feel like if Stacey were to sit down and have a discussion with a whole bunch of tech directors, they would prefer to have a production manager who was a tech director because obviously they would, you know, bond with them better. Or yeah, we, I mean... With we've better. talked before but people speak different languages and we're not t- talking like i speak english and i speak japanese but like s- sound people start talking about their sound stuff and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about except there's some microphone that plugs into something and there's an eq so i don't understand what sound is completely talking about when they talk about all the details in sound so there are different languages and stage managers have st- not slang, but just a language they can speak that isn't always talked in other areas of production, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, so Stacey, because you're currently a, the TD and production manager, and because it's, you know, kind of, a, I guess, a newer position for you, how did you come at the production management responsibility of this show? Like, what what was your focus? What was, you know, how did you go about it? How did you start and then you've now performed gone all the way through one venue and you're transferring to another venue so what was it that you focused on and what was it that you kind of thought was your responsibility as a production manager in this process i think this one is a new this was not a first of all let's start with dinner by night dinner by night is a brand new musical written by a brand new composer being produced by a brand new company and the company was started by the guy who wrote the show to produce his show so it's people who don't know theater don't know how to produce theater or opera or anything who has written a show and want to do it so there was a lot of me explaining what positions were what people's jobs were what a rehearsal schedule looked like why it was important to get through blocking a show what blocking meant So I felt like it was a very big training. I was kind of an advisor on the entire process of how things should go. And they were great. James and Amy, the two producing people, which James is the guy who wrote it and his daughter, Amy. Um, But it was just new stuff. And it, again, was a whole new language they had never spoken. They watch theater. They watch opera. They get it. But producing it on the back end is, is a lot more complicated. So I spent a lot of time creating the structure of how the whole thing was going to run. Like, okay, we need to have um, a press release, not a press release, but photo releases from everyone in the production because you're going to want to uh, advertise this show. But they didn't have any because they didn't know what that was. So then I pulled things from shows Cindy's has done and reformatted it and wrote in Tinder by Night and stuff like that and sent it out to everyone. Then I said, okay, we need to pay people you already came up with a contract so let's create an excel file that how we pay people and when we pay people oh well, we're going to pay people we have to get w9s okay i got w9s we have to get them to everyone who do they turn them into how early do they have to turn them in do they scan it into the system save it on the google Docs? so everyone not everyone amy and i had access to it there was a lot of just building the whole structure of how things were going to run uh all the way down to oh, we need to have crew people, but we'll just have some friends do backstage work. And I'm like, no, I need crew people who know how to work in theater, backstage, in the dark, in blacks, 
and do a scene change in five seconds and not three minutes. Uh, so it was an interesting process working with brand new people on the production, on the like top end, but everyone they hired was professional. So then trying to, you know, <laughs> play the game of, no, it's, it's really, you know, we, we do kind of have to have rehearsals to do some things. We can't just like go into tech without doing staging blocking rehearsals. Um, but I definitely went from it, went at it from a, let's build a structure and teach you guys how it's run so that in the future, when you do the show again, you have a format to go by. And some of those, a lot of those documents were pulled from documents that Cindy has from previous production shows, companies. Yeah, I often wonder how people function without a twin sister, FYI. Yeah, or, you know, brother. We, we can let the males yeah, in. Yeah, it could be a twin brother. Just, yeah, I just don't know how people function I don't know how singletons twin, work. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's More documents. you if you don't have one. <laughs> yeah, good job. Way to function on your own. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't quite figured that part out yet. But. Nope, hopefully not for a long time. Uh, there was definitely calling Cindy and being like, uh, so how do, what, like, do you have a document for the list? Like, apparently they don't have a costume designer hired. I need a contract. What do we pay them? What is their job description? What is the normal pay rate? You know, what what do we require? And as Cindy was giving me these documents, she said, well, they, they keep changing. Because every time you work with a new person, you realize that it's it's not all common knowledge. Everyone's not trained the same. So though it may be common knowledge to some people that you have to turn in an expense report with, with things highlighted and taped to a piece of paper in an orderly fashion, not everybody knows that. And when is it due? Or do I need to turn one in? Or can you just give me money up front? And it's like, well, n- no, like I need all this stuff. Um, so writing that into the contract. But then contracts also have all the legal words of you're being hired by this company and you can't, you know, give like all the information. And yeah, all rights reserved or whatever. Exactly. And if you have any issues, we are running by the California law and the California law states this and you're an at-will employment and this is a W-9, meaning taxes aren't taken out, which means you'll get a 1099, which means it's your responsibility, not our responsibility for taxes. And all of that background stuff that uh, most people, I think, don't think of when they think of theater, but there is a ton of paperwork and documents and just constant updating things and trying to keep them updated. So I think I spent a good quality of my time building the infrastructure to do the show. Uh, Luckily, Amy hired amazing people to work on the show. Even though she didn't know theater, she did a great job at hiring people. And also, 95% of them are female. She has almost an entirely female production team, which is also cool. I then hired a bunch of males to run crew because that's who I knew. But she has an almost entirely female production team who also has a lot of experience. So I didn't have to necessarily Including worry Cricket, about... Including Cricket, who's your sound designer. Yeah, Cricket's our sound designer because she's like, we need sound. And I said, then we're going with Cricket. And Cricket said, great, can I bring Christian? And I said, yes, perfect. So I have Cricket and Christian back on the show who I did allegiance with and Cindy did... Uh, Omaha with Cricket. Um, And so I didn't have to worry about people like that. I was like, okay, here, Cricket, here's the show. And she asked some questions and I answered some questions. And then Amy said, well, how much do we pay her? And I said, she's union. You pay what the union fees are. And she's like, is this budget right for sound? And I said, 
Cricket knows sound. If Cricket says we need these sound systems, she's going to work within your budget, but she's also going to get you the best thing possible for what we can afford, and it's also going to be mixed amazingly, and she's going to be easy to work with. So, yes. (laughs) Give her what she wants. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. She's perfect. We don't have to worry about it. So it it was nice that I had a lot of good people around who I didn't have to worry about constantly, like... Not, I mean, you have to monitor them, but I didn't have to, like, stand over them constantly. Because I'm like, Cricket knows what she's doing. Great. Mark that off the list. Sound. Done. Tire run. Uh, no, but b- before yeah. the, before we actually hit record on the podcast, you were talking about, like, during, or we were talking about during tech. Like, what, what you focus on during tech and how you feel like if I was there, I would have done something. Done, or focus on something differently. Mm-hmm. Uh because I came from a stage manager's background. Yeah. So during tech, it because it was a new production and I came on, I think, a little late in the production process, like they'd already had a, they were about to have auditions and they'd already hired some production team members and they already had contracts with the orchestra and the theater before I came on. So there were th- some things in the schedule that I would have uh, preferred to change, but obviously that's what we were given. So that's what we worked with. But During tech, things got a little hectic, as tech does. And so though I sat in the house for the first two or three days of tech and took notes and things like that, things just weren't getting done fast enough. So for the last two days of tech, I didn't never do. (laughs) Exactly, right? As the last two days of tech got there, I was like, I have no more time to sit in the house to watch how things are progressing and to take notes. I need to be backstage to finish that prop and glue it together and talk to that actor and ask why they decided not to show up on stage. Was, was it an issue with costumes? Was it an issue with props? Did you just decide not to show up on stage, which was the case one point, um, you know, and be backstage and be like, why is this scene change taking 30 seconds? Like 30 seconds is a long time in the theater world. So I didn't have the advantage. I, I jumped over to the tech side and was, and was paying an, all the attention to that. And so I didn't get to sit in the house and watch how things were going. And so I didn't get to watch, uh, I, I yet to see how one of the magic scenes works until the second performance when I sat in the house with my husband. And there were some things that I think I could have uh, made a little better or fixed or, you know, worked on, but I didn't have time because I jumped to the tech side to worry about that. Uh, I also never listened to how the stage manager called the show because I wasn't on headset as a production manager and I didn't have time to be on headset. So I don't know if I left our stage manager who did an amazing job. I don't know if there's anything I could have done to help her because I was like, you you know what you're doing, you're doing it. But I, I didn't focus on that. I didn't focus on necessarily how the audience is viewing it. I was trying to get the details done. And I feel like if you were there... I mean, it was also different because I was the TD and the production manager, so I did have I didn't focus more on TD stuff. But if you were there, I feel you would have spent a little more time making sure the stage manager was comfortable calling certain cues. Um, we never got to run some of the magic scenes till the day before we opened, and we because we were in a venue that wasn't our own, we only had a limited amount of time. But I didn't fight to get rehearsal time for the stage manager to practice calling complicated cues. I didn't fight for the time to make sure that the projectionist was lined up with the lighting cues so that scene changes went more seamlessly. Just because I 
we didn't have time and I wasn't out there watching. So I feel like there are some things that as a stage manager background, you would have been paying attention to that I just didn't pay attention to until we got to, till I was actually watching the show. Then I was like, oh, I uh, probably should have paid attention to that one. But I also feel, I mean, you made a a great point in that you were also the TD for that, which I want to go back to. But when I am a production manager, I do, I guess I do focus a lot more on stage management and kind of front of house, bigger picture things. But that's because I depend heavily on my technical director or my, you know, uh, at, at TCO, it was primarily Sean, who was my, I gave him the title ATD, but he was also my master carpenter and, and ran the crew. But I depended on him heavily to make those things happen backstage and to make the scene changes happen and to make the magic work. And I stayed front of house and focused on front of house. But that's because I had somebody backstage that I could depend on. Like if I didn't have a TD, well, that wouldn't have happened. I would have, I would have gotten a TD no matter what. Yeah. Just because it's not my strong point. And, you know, um, at the same time, there's been a number of times where I was production manager and calling stage manager because that's just where my strength is and it's what I can do. And in those instances, again, I just have to depend heavily on my technical director and my crew and my designers, but mostly my TD to kind of oversee the rest of it because I'm doing double duty, which is kind of the next thing that we want to talk about is just the fact that even though every company is different and I haven't been at any two companies that have ever functioned the same or even had the same positions or all the same positions. Not at all. It's so common for people. And especially now with budget cuts and everything happening, it's just so common for people to be, I can't even say asked because sometimes it's just like expected of you to do multiple roles and multiple jobs at the same time. And I think it's especially true for smaller companies, for companies with smaller budgets, but also companies who don't have that director of production position or a production manager position. Because in my mind and experience, that director of production is a high level position, but they're the ones that kind of like check and balance all the other areas of, of the company and help ensure that production and artistic is being taken care of and they're the ones that kind of know what needs to happen and know the positions that have to exist in order to get what you want in a production and if you don't have that role especially a full-time role you don't have anybody that's kind of fighting for you and I think that that is a big thing because even in a company that's well established and they have a fairly large front of not front of house but like administration thing I need more people to run a show like I don't have time to do everything I need more people to make sure that the process is working and that enough time and and energy can be given to each thing because one person just can't be everything because like I can't be in the front of house and backstage at the same time so when I'm backstage focused on that I'm losing the focus front of house Uh, but it still has to be kind of a constant battle with the people who are paying the bills or hiring people because what they're looking at is well they're not bringing in money and they don't fit the budget and it's like yeah but like are we focused on producing a show that is the highest quality or we focused on meeting a budget like and there's no right or wrong answer because if we don't keep meeting the budget then we lose the company and then nobody has a job 
there's so many companies oh, that yeah. I've worked at, and I know like Darlene could say the same thing. Danielle could say the same thing. Every sales manager I've talked to could say the same thing. That you you can't. The, the problem that we've all fought at so many companies is that, and I think this is like a huge reason that we have this podcast is to make people aware of what these backstage positions are and how important all these positions are. Yeah. But there always has to be somebody who's fighting for those positions, and yeah. even you know large companies fight that have all these different positions still fight for even more positions because it shows that they do get bigger and bigger um mm-hmm. it's it's just something that you know fighting might not be the right word it's educating people who are putting the money on the line to to let them know why we need these positions and why they're important um i won't say what company but i've i've had people say to me well why do you need assistant stage managers uh why, why do you need the role assistant stage managers? Why can't the stage manager just make coffee themselves? And you're like, that's not what an assistant stage manager does. Like, I know the title is assistant stage manager, but that doesn't mean that they're just there to help the stage manager. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've explained. Like assistant director, you know, like they're, they're there because they function for different things. Um, and they're just not like their job isn't to make copy and, and copy things, coffee and copy things, you know, so. Yeah, they have their own track and responsibilities and things to do. Um, Like for Tinner by Night, we extended the run, which is amazing because we sold out at the Rose. But now we're trying to make sure that everyone's available for the extended run. And they said, well, if the stage manager's busy, just have the assistant stage manager do it. And I said, well, then I need to have a rehearsal for the assistant stage manager to watch the stage manager call a show and then have them call the show. And then when the assistant stage manager is gone, yeah, I need to have somebody else down there making sure that they know what they're moving and what set pieces are moving and what actors they're making sure are in place and what they're doing. So it's not the ASM is not just sitting backstage waiting for the stage manager to get sick or something. They've got a whole job description that they're doing. It's not like they just can step in. At at Long Beach and every other place that we've worked at together, and it's probably similar at many other places, but. Uh, if you don't have a PA who can step into the role, which sometimes happens, if somebody goes out, and again, this is coming from a stage manager who's a production manager, it to me would be more or less the production manager's responsibility to, to step into that role. Because um, they should technically know everything. And I know that was actually discussed when I was at Port. Yeah, when I was at Portland, like if something would have happened to me, my ASMs were super busy doing other things that the production manager would have had to step up and call the show. and. That actually happened at Tri-Cities. I lost a stage manager the second day of tech. She had a family emergency and had to leave. And I had to step in and call the show because I needed the ASM to run her track because she knew what was going on backstage. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, you know, as a TD, I don't know if you would be able to step up and fulfill that position. I mean, I would you be... might because of me. But, but in general, TD, I, I don't think I've called, well... The Long Beach Opera show that I did for two days, the best of 20, doesn't really count because there really wasn't much to call. But before that, I don't think I've called a show since, like, right out of college. So I know what cues are. I can say them. But I have not been paying attention to that. Like, I'm sure it would be a terribly called show. It would happen, and half the people might not notice, but but I, yeah, I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Again, an advantage to having like a production manager who's a stage manager. 
they could step in and do that. Yeah. That could step in and call the show. Yeah. But at the same time, again, at TCO, when I lost my TD for one show, well, I lost Sean on one show and I lost my TD for another show. You know, there was no way that I can step into that role. I tried as much as I could, but I just then had to depend heavily, heavily on uh, when I lost my TD, I had to depend on Sean to step up and take over that position because even though in theory, I know what's going on, like I'm not as qualified to make those decisions that he was able to make. And thankfully I was good friends with the, um, the shop steward and uh, you know, he helped me with the crew stuff and, by that point, I had made friends with with a lot of the people in the community, and so they were able to step up and help me cover that role. But as a stage manager, you know, there were just some some things that I couldn't I couldn't fulfill that TD position because that's just not what my training was in. Yeah, so which is exactly I, why there's different positions and people train in different positions, and you can step over, but you can't always. Um, so see, we've gone over like a production manager, product director of production, stage manager, TD. There's Another position that I didn't really come in contact with or have to worry much about until I did Allegiance, and I know, Cindy, you've done uh, more with this, company manager. Mm -hmm. The company manager is a weird title because they don't actually manage the company essay like Long Beach Opera or anything like that. What the company manager does is runs the production people and not... That's not even runs. No, I wouldn't even say I, it's it's kind uh, of hospitality guests like yeah, services. Comfort, something. <laughs> yeah, the Ish. company manager books the flights, books the hotels, books the car rentals. Um, if they their toilet backs up, as we had on one of the podcasts that Cindy was dealing with, um, they get the people so to. Uh, Opera Philadelphia, the way that they describe their company manager, and at Opera Philadelphia, they actually don't have a full-time, I think Omaha was the same way, they don't have a full-time company manager that's there for the full season, but they bring in a company manager for uh, the festivals, because obviously you now have like hundreds of people showing up, but for Opera Philadelphia, the description is, a uh, company manager is responsible for all guest artists and production staff, travel, housing, as well as other artists care throughout the duration of the festival. He also acts as liaison to departments, artists, artist management, and works with the artistic administrator to provide artistic support during rehearsals and performances. Artist release requests should be turned into the company manager or the artistic administrator. Yeah, so, and that I think is a yeah. big one. If it's a small company and everyone's local, then it's not a huge deal. The Long Beach Playhouse, yeah. there's no reason for them to have one. All of their people are local, nobody's house, nobody's getting hotels, no one's getting food, no one's worried about how George Decay is getting from one place to another in security. Like, that doesn't happen. But on the bigger shows, that's a lot of background scheduling, figuring out that needs to happen. Because have you ever tried to book an airplane or a hotel for not yourself? You know how many rules people have? Like, well, I have to have a hotel that is non-smoking and not next to the elevator, but has a queen-size bed, but Ooh, is within mine is three next miles to the elevator of right now. I'm tempted to move because I just hear people coming up and down the elevator on a con on a regular basis. Yeah, so Cindy would, if they have a company manager, I don't remember if you have one there, would talk to the company manager. Well, that poor company manager also has like ten to a hundred other, other people, people <laughs> who are also like, my hotel room's dirty. Okay. <laughs> we need water for rehearsal. It's a double show day. I need food. 
I need to change my hotel, my air flight ticket because I want to land three hours earlier. That's what the company manager deals with, is just making sure that everybody is happy and fed and has places to eat and sleep and do things like that. Um, which, on a smaller show, a smaller production, uh, people who are local, oftentimes it kind of comes to the stage manager or production manager to just be like, okay, we have food, we have water, we have... Oftentimes, a stage manager sets up um, coffee and water and snacks and Kleenexes and throat lozenge and, you know, things like that during rehearsal. If it's a huge show, then the company manager does it. So, again, that's another well, position. That... I mean, it would still kind of be stage management. But if, like, somebody got sick, they would go to the company manager to figure out, like, what hospital to go to or what doctor to be referred to whereas if a company manager doesn't exist uh, yeah I agree that like a production manager or a stage manager would be responsible and if a company manager doesn't exist then it would be the either artistic administrator in opera artistic administrator or production manager who would take care of housing and transportation and travel I can't remember in Portland it wasn't Laura it wasn't director of production it was another title I can't remember what her title was, Erica's title was. It wasn't company manager, but it was something like artistic administrator, you know, that that takes care of it for them. In Boston, I think it was artistic administrator who uh, would take care of travel and housing and, you know, making sure that I got to the hotel okay and everything was fine with the hotel. But at at, uh, Teatro Nuovo, there wasn't a company manager and partly because at... um, Belcanto at Caramore, we never needed one because people took care of their own transportation and their own housing. And so it wasn't something that we ever thought about. But then with Teatro Nuovo, uh, we housed 104 people on campus and dealt with, we didn't deal with them getting there. They had to take care of that themselves. But we housed people on campus um, and dealt with their food. And so because we didn't have a company manager, uh, I had, I stepped up as stage manager director of production um, and took care of that just because I knew who the people were, but uh, it's not an easy job <laughs> because every time someone's toilet mm-hmm. backed up or somebody's air conditioner broke and it's a hundred degrees outside or, you know, a door fell off of a hinge or people locked themselves out of their rooms at one o'clock in the morning. I'm the first person that they called to figure out like how to fix that. So it's a, yeah. it's a very special job. Yeah. I, I'm not very good at it because I'm like, I don't want to be mean and be like, I'm self-sufficient, but do you know how many toilets I have unclogged myself? If somebody called me and said my toilet's clogged, I'm like, then find a plunger. Like, <laughs> But you can't. You have to find somebody who knows how to unclog a toilet or has a plunger. Like You guys didn't even have a plunger at the Teatro Nuevo. Uh, so that was another thing because it's the middle of the night and you're on a campus with no Walmart or Target or Home Depot close by. So where do you find a plunger? Okay, but that, that side note, what did they figure out? What was the best way to unclog it? It was like dish soap. She poured dish soap into the toilet and let it sit for 20 minutes and whatever, like, you know, because a dish soap will like eat her way at the food or whatever in a, in a, you know, all the grease and whatever. So she poured dish soap into the toilet and let it sit for 20 minutes and then it like declogged the toilet and she was able to use it after that. She said she yeah. like YouTubed it, which I was like, that's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. And side note, when you need to unclog a toilet, wait a couple hours. The toilet paper will, like, dissolve itself and half the time it'll work. Just give it time. Because <laughs> I've dealt with plenty of toilets. But if you toilets. put dish soap in, apparently it works faster. Yeah. 
But again, that's something the company manager on a bigger company is in responsible for taking care of is Googling something or YouTubing it or finding the plunger or making sure that <laughs> I've had some people when I was uh, when we were at, um, I was at the Norris, uh, we'd have acts come in. And one of the last ones I was in charge of, we had um, Winona Judd come in. Who didn't tell us that she was bringing two dogs with her when she got off the airplane into the car that didn't allow two dogs? <laughs> so that was going like, to be the other one. That's a huge thing that Ben's currently doing with at at uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, I I'm all for dogs, but you got to just tell people. Yeah, that's some people exactly what Ben says. Yeah, dogs shed. Not all dogs are trained. Even if they don't shed in our train, like people still want to know when a dog's going to come into their hotel and stay there because. It's still kind of a big deal. So yeah. It's it's a constant job that I think is very much overlooked and not appreciated as much as it should be. <laughs> and it's also one of those jobs that most companies are like, oh, we don't need a company manager because the stage manager will do it or the production manager will do it. And yeah, yeah like most stage managers I know can be company managers. And a lot of them do do company management because, you know, it, again, it's like creature comfort and that's kind of what stage managers do anyways in the rehearsal hall. So mm -hmm. yeah, they have the capability of doing it and they're very organized and they can do those things. So most companies are like, well, we don't need a company manager. You know, this could just fall, fall on stage management, but especially in festival settings where, you know, we're currently doing four shows and have like hundreds of people coming in for this festival. It's important to have a company manager to take care of it. So thank yeah. you, Ben. We appreciate you. <laughs> What's awesome is Ben was my company manager in, in Omaha too. So it's just been kind of awesome to like walk in and know how each other work and be like, great, this is what we're just moving halfway across the country. Yeah. But I know it's going to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a, every company is different. Every title is different, but the same, but different, but needed. Ugh, it's as much as <laughs> we grew up in a scientist scientific family uh things don't fit in excel sheets and boxes as much as sometimes i would prefer them to <laughs> this is very true like yeah but just how is it done well we don't know yeah but like haven't you already done this before can i just plug numbers into an excel sheet and come up with an answer well that's kind of what i was thinking about when you were talking earlier about uh how tenor by night was so challenging because it was being produced by people who had never produced theater before and I know that's very challenging but at the same time I feel like if you allow yourself you can kind of sometimes look at things you know and when people ask well why is it done this way and be like you know I have no idea why it's done this way like why yeah. can't we do it another way you know and I feel like I do that I try to do that all the time working in like found spaces new spaces new works you know it's like well yeah I guess there's no reason that the stage manager has to call from backstage right. Like, why can't they call from backstage left? I've never called, well, once I've called from stage left, but it's always backstage right. But why? Like, what? I guess we don't have to do it that way, you know? And so... Yeah, that's weird. Most theaters I work in are backstage right or the booth. Exactly. How many fly rails have you seen on stage left? No, they're almost always stage right. Purchase was on stage left. It was the very first one I'd ever seen. And every time I went into that theater and I asked Devin the same thing too. I was like, have you ever seen a fly rail on stage left? He was like, no. And I said, I know it's so weird. But, <laughs> I don't know how to function with it on stage left. But why? There's, I don't think there's any mechanical difference. There shouldn't be any no. mechanical difference. I have no idea. Oh, we and what was that funny up. in that piece is the stage manager station was still stage right. 
even with the fly rail stage left. And I said, if I was calling a show that had flies, I would ask them to move my station to stage left so that I had a visual of the fly rail. And they had a visual of you. Because sometimes yeah. queuing, you can't be on headset. Well, I mean, well, I mean you you're know. on headset, but if they're doing fly, like when I would do fly occasionally at the Norris, um, the headsets were too big and they wouldn't stay in my head. So when I was looking up, waiting for the uh, spike mark to come down, the headset would fall off my head. Right. You can have a, a squawk box and stuff. But still, it yeah. was just weird to me. Like if I was calling, because, but like, do I have to? Like if they were able to hear me and I was have it cue lights, there would be no need for them to see me. I don't physically see the lighting board operator but that's just how it's always set up you know and so when you're talking about how you were you why you have how you had to explain to James and Amy not even explain but just say you know like this is how it's always done there was probably a number of things that came up where it was like well I don't know why it's done this way yeah well even like contracts I'm like well like I have contracts I've signed and you've have contracts you've written and signed but this is a brand new company, so we could change the contract. I mean, this is just the template I'm going off of, but... Right, you could change it. Yeah. And even, well, they, you know, they... traditionally you have, like, two piano... Well, in opera, um, you know, you have, like, two piano... A p- piano run, a piano dress, two orchestra dresses, and you open. But y- you don't have to. I mean, we're doing a kite pod, we move into the space, they have two chances, and then we open. You know, mm-hmm. and we keep talking about how strange that is. It's not a full orchestra. Everything's just on a piano. So, yeah, you we don't need to have, like, a piano dress and an orchestra dress because we just don't have that. But it's just weird for people who are, tra- you know, work traditionally in opera because that's just not how it's done. You know, you, you have these standards or, you know, things that are kind of always done that way. And so, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I don't know how we got onto that because that doesn't really have anything to do with production management. Nope. But (laughs) (laughs) tradition coming up with But it's a lot of my life because I do non-traditional stuff. So. Yeah. You know why I did Tinder by Night? Because I said, oh, Twin would like this. A new work that's an opera and musical in a touring space with mannequins. Perfect. Twin likes it. I'll do it. But no, it was also interesting, like, uh, back on not really having anything to do with it. But yeah, looking at being like, well, there's some things that calling in the orchestra the first day of loading kind of drove everyone crazy because poor sound people had to get a 13-person orchestra and a 20-person cast mic'd on the first day we load in. So it probably would have made more sense if we called them in later. Did it ruin the whole show? No. Just normally <laughs> it's not done that way. Tequila? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a reason we probably would have should have called an orchestra later in the rehearsal or tech process? Yeah, but that's not what was contracted with the orchestra. So that's just not what happens. <laughs> that, that is very interesting. Okay, so I think we've gone over, I mean, we talked to, yeah, we kind of went over like production and director of production, stage management, TD, company manager, ASM folded in there. I mean, we've talked to to stage managers. I actually on my on our list of people is to get Ben Newman in to talk, who's the company manager at at currently with Philadelphia and at Omaha, uh, and was at Omaha when I was in Omaha. Um, so it would be awesome to talk to him just because, you know, I've now done two festivals with him at two different companies. So like the, the 
what was the same, what was different, what did he learn from one for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually been trying to get Maggie on since I was at Philadelphia last year. We haven't been yeah. able to finish the schedule. So we're going to have to work on that again once the festival finishes because Scheduling, she's man. <laughs> female production manager who wears dresses and that's a whole other story. But um, yeah. as a production manager, we've been trying to get her on on the podcast. So um, once, the, once the festival ends and Maggie can like breathe again, which will be in about six weeks, um, mm-hmm. definitely on the list. So I guess the takeaway is there's a bunch of titles, there's a bunch of jobs, everybody kind of moves around. And a lot of them, they're all important. Not all all companies, some companies function well with a director of production and a stage manager, and they don't need a production manager. And some companies function fine with just like a production manager and a stage manager, you know, but um, some companies, their production manager is their stage manager or TD. It just yeah. been, it depends on the company, how it's run, how big it is, how many shows they're doing, what size space they're in. Like and who could pick up who could pick up the other responsibilities? Yeah, I feel there's no theater is so not a cookie cutter. Make things a little easier, but Twin would be so bored if everything ran the same every time. I know I probably wouldn't do it anymore. I'd be so excited if I could just have two shows that worked somewhat reasonable both times but it's all over the place i'd probably be bored too right now i'm like oh i've done so much in the last couple weeks i need a break and then after like two days i'll probably be like oh my god i'm so bored (laughs) well along those lines like so i just met the nikita paw staging staff i don't know what day it says uh on tuesday and of course when you uh, as when stage managers meet two of them knew each other and the other two of us don't know either one of them so, you you know, stage managers talk about, like, where they've worked, what shows they've worked on, what directors they've worked with, what designers they've worked with, you know, because we all know of all of these other people. So you just talk about all this stuff. And today we were talking about a festival that I kind of want to work at, but one of the, the ASM has worked at it. And she was like, I don't know if you want to work there. But then I started laughing because I was like, half of these stories that we tell are all horror stories. Like, oh, my God, there was this one time when the director did this or, you know, yeah. then I had this really horrible uh cast that I worked with or the stage man is really horrible and I started laughing and the ASM's like what and I said what I love is that half of these most of these stories that we tell are about like how horrible this experience was and how it was like the fires of hell and how you know everybody just wanted to kill each other and then we turn around and we do it again and we just keep doing it over and over and over but you know you don't talk about some usually you don't talk about the really awesome stories you always tell about the bad things just like you know you come home at night and what's the first thing that you say to your significant other or whoever you come home to you know you probably mention like the one bad thing that happens at least i know i do that all the time i talk about how much i hate the mta but i don't talk about like oh yeah i get text all the time about the mta yeah you know so when yeah, you know Kai has to hear it together you talk about the directors you've worked with and how crazy you know the your last five shows were and then you sign the next contract and you do it again because you love it yeah i don't know how many times i'm like that's it i'm done i'm gonna just become a janitor i'm great at cleaning and then i'm like oh look a contract <laughs> Ooh, a production manager i haven't done this before <laughs> look a new show great or someone calls i mean <laughs> i told cricket i was like sorry uh, just gonna probably pull you into any show I do because you're useful. <laughs> any 
easy to work with. So I'm just going to keep dragging you into shows and, you know, crew people that I work with and you find ones you like and you're like, great. So uh, what are you doing in three weeks? I just signed a contract. Yeah, you just keep so bringing people with people. you, which is, you know, I told a friend, I was like, you might regret saying that you like working with me because now you're going to be stuck with me for a while. Every chance I get, you're, you're the first person I'm going to be recommending for this job because. Exactly. And they say it's all about who you know and what you do. And it's true because I've pulled in some people to two or three different shows because I'm like, hey, you're good. I know you can do it. And uh, I don't have time to focus on it. So you you focus on it. You move yeah. the set pieces. I don't want to be backstage during the show. <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, Twin, should I ask you if you have any good twin stories? Uh, I'm trying to think if I had any twin stories lately, but I don't think I do. Except for the fact that, because uh, I think it's been, because we haven't posted in so long, there was one day that I think you were still in Teatro Nuevo. Where was I? I might have been in Tinner by night. And at the same time, you were texting like, Dad. Yeah. And I was texting you and both text messages said, I can't focus. And then your argument was your show opened first. So then I had to stop working for the next couple hours so that you could focus. And then when you went to bed, like at two in the morning, which was only like 11 my time, <laughs> that I yeah. started reworking and then yeah. I could get shit done because you stopped working. So yes, I, yeah, it's true. I think it that worked happen. out really well for us, actually. Yeah, because we had to do that for a couple of days. I had to stop working like in the mid afternoon to evening so that you could finish up your brain. <laughs> so that I could like take an entire freaking show in three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Or light a, a whole show in three hours. Yeah. No, that worked well for us. Yeah, I think I scrubbed a bathroom one day, Baggins' cage got cleaned one day, cooked dinner. But then there was that day after my contract ended, and you called, and you're like, why does my foot hurt? And I was like, oh, yeah, I twisted my ankle again. I've been wearing my brace. And you're like, is it your right foot? Yeah, it's my right foot. Yeah, like I'm trying to load in a set, twin. Like, really not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Do that. Well, there was what today. So we went to the venue today, and we were taking pictures of things, and I had it pulled up on my phone. But I had accidentally like swiped the wrong way on my phone and I hadn't even noticed it. So it was like a picture of me because I was checking out uh, my lipstick that I had on. Anyways, there's a picture (laughs) of me on my phone and Maggie walked in and she glanced at my phone and she was like, do you have a picture of you on your phone? No, wait, is that a picture of your sister? I can't tell. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. That's a picture of me. (laughs) I don't know. Let me look at it. Does she have lipstick or chapstick on? Nope. Probably, probably not. (laughs) But you're still, you still haven't sent me what that chap, that lipstick is. I know. I'll send it to you. I would show it to you now. See? Oh, I see it. See how much more red I, your lips are than mine? I know. I have. I put it on um. 13 hours ago. I'm very washed out. Wow. It's, yeah. it, it's also 7 o'clock at night and the sun's setting and it's very nice. <laughs> okay. So I think that's good uh, for this podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. We will Thank hopefully you. be back on schedule and do podcast on a weekly basis because we have sent out a lot of emails trying to schedule people uh, so we can get back on. Also, we're coming up to our one year anniversary. We were just looking at this um, right before the well, right before the hour we spent before the podcast. And our first podcast was on September. What did I say? I think you said. September 6th, 2011 was our first podcast. So we're coming Not up 2011, to 2011, 2017. 
Damn, we've been doing this a long time. I know. One year. Just one year. Uh, so yeah, we're almost up to a year. We'll have to figure out something exciting to do. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is, but we'll figure out something. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstalk Theater. Total Music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.